You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. I'm Richard, and this is Heroes Needed. Today we're going to take a look at the Overwatch World Cup, the first matches that are coming up, the Overwatch League and some expansion teams, the Summer Games, and then talk a little bit about the term stagger. Yeah, that's great. So let's jump straight in, talk about the Overwatch World Cup, which starts, uh, first games start on uh, August 16th. Yes. So very, very, very soon. Uh, and like traditional sports, it happens in group stages, which is exciting. Uh, and the weirdest part of it is it's, it's a lot of countries where... My knowledge of a lot of these players is from the league, and that's it. Yeah. And there's a lot of countries here which I, I don't believe are represented by league players. So this no. is where we're yeah. going to see something quite different. Yeah. So if I run through the groups real quick. Yes, please. So the, the teams are playing in four different countries this year. They're playing in Korea, they're playing in France, in the U.S., and in Thailand. So the groups are playing in each of those countries. So looking at the first group, the group playing in Korea, we've got Russia, Finland, Taiwan, Japan... Korea and Hong Kong. Interesting. So, interesting group there. In the U.S., we've got Canada, Austria, the U.S., Brazil, Switzerland, and Norway. In Thailand, we've got China, Australia, Sweden, Thailand themselves, Spain, and Denmark. And then in France, we've got uh, Great Britain, Poland, Italy, Germany, Netherlands, and France. Excellent. So it's, it's interesting to look through that and kind of see what we know already of some of those players, yeah. which is to say, in a lot of cases, not very much in my case. Almost um, not from the majority, it seems. Yeah. But I mean, looking at those groups, I mean, I think that it's easy to look at ones like the, the, the Korean group and see <laughs> that I, I would imagine they're the firm favorites. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you were sharing a stat before. It was the, there have been two World Cups. Korea has won two World Cups. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of black and white there, isn't it? And here they are hosting a segment of it in Korea, uh, and we've seen the lineup for that team, and it looks exactly. pretty terrifying anyway. Exactly, yeah. We, we, we've basically spent all year seeing that lineup <laughs> yeah. perform in the league. Yeah, and we winning know, everything. Basically. Exactly. We, we, we can see exactly what these guys are capable of, for sure. Um, I think but, that's an interesting group, though, because you've also got Russia, you've got Finland, and as you said before, yeah. it's a big Scandinavian contingent in esports, yeah. and... That could be quite something. This is the thing, and maybe it's just my own uh, experience of life. I was going to say bias, but that's maybe too strong a word. Uh, maybe it's just my own experience. Whenever I think Scandinavia, I tend to think like Sweden and Denmark. Yeah. Um, sorry, Finland. <laughs> yeah, you're there too, Finland. You're doing very well. Like, of, of course they are. Of course they are. But I, I don't think of them when it comes to esports, necessarily. And that, I'm hoping, I'm going to be proven completely wrong. Yeah. I'd love to see Finland just destroy some of these teams. It'd be really interesting. I, I just want to see Fraggy. I want to see more Fraggy. Yeah, exactly. he, didn't, he didn't play as much in Stage 4 in the league, and I'm sad yeah. about that, because I love Fraggy. I maybe, love him. Maybe he was saving his energy for the World Cup. Maybe that was it. Just, was just, it. just meditating in a fjord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as they all do, I presume. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the national pastime, right? Yep. These aren't stereotypes. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see these different teams. I mean, we, we were talking just before we started recording here. Um, I was on Instagram, and I saw some, some what looked like Overwatch teams, and it turned out to be some fan concepts. And this made me deeply, deeply sad, because there were a couple there for Japan. 
There, was a to- there were two different versions of possible Tokyo teams that someone had dreamt up. And having a Japanese team period is something that I would love. Having a Tokyo team is something that I would love. And then even like the colorways that they dreamed up looked amazing. So to actually see the, the Japanese national side, that would be incredible yeah. uh, to actually get to witness that and to, to see those guys. And I really hope that they, that they would do well in that. But this is going to be the, the proving ground almost for expansion teams. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, you know in, the, in the US, it's maybe a bit different because we'd be dealing with cities rather than countries. But Blizzard's definitely going to be paying attention to this. And definitely, yeah. it's got to be having discussions with people around, look, where are we going to put the next ones based on maybe even how well some of these teams do. Definitely. Yeah, you got you got the Russian team in there. That's uh, that's got Shadowburn and yep. mistakes from the league, which oh, is going to be quite a yeah. quite a showdown. But I'm thinking, I'm looking at that group, and I'm thinking, I kind of feel like that's Korea's group because they win uh, everything. I mean, so. I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I can't see another big contender against Korea. You yeah. never know. Hong Kong might field the world's greatest team. Let's see. Um, but we, we we just don't know until the games actually start. So looking at the next group, the ones that are playing in the U.S. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that one, Switzerland, Norway, uh, not seen as many necessarily. Brazil, not seen a lot of players from yep. there. U.S., as a lot of players from teams like Definitely the Shock, a lot of players. Um, Outlaws, teams that are represented quite by a lot of American players. I think the U.S. team is basically the Shock. Like, <laughs> they just went, go on, guys, you got this. Yeah, go for it. Um, you got Austria in there, yeah. and you got Canada in there. Mm. Uh, big shout-out to Joe Meister. Every episode, shout-out to Joe Meister. Absolutely. Now we'll if let you're out bit. there, Joe, reach out to Dave. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Heroes Needed Pod, Joe Meister. So, looking at this, I mean, I think in that there's the, the two standouts there for me are the U.S. and Canada, definitely. But again, only really because I've not seen a lot of other players from the other countries represented yeah. in the league so far. So it's a bit of a it could be anything really. Now, if I remember correctly, I think Canada last year did in- incredibly well. If I remember, I think they got further than the U.S. I may be completely wrong about this, but if I remember correctly. I think last year they got a bit further in the U.S. Now, obviously, we've seen a lot of U.S. talent get a chance to showcase themselves and be developed over the last year. We're seeing a very, very different take on things. We're seeing a very different situation compared to a year ago where people were playing this independently or playing this with private esports teams to now playing in a league. And I wonder how much that league experience for a lot of these players is going to be invaluable because it's not just the experience of playing the game. Anybody can sit there for, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell thing of 10,000 hours and play 10,000 hours of Overwatch. I'm sure some people have. But it's that other thing of the arena aspect, the teamwork aspect, the coordination aspect in that. Playing up on that stage is very, very different to playing at home in your bedroom or playing in a small group land setting. So maybe for the US, that's going to be a pretty big advantage because all of these players are now kind of uh, by comparison to anybody else seasoned veterans at playing on a stage in front of huge audiences that said Canada did very 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 well last year yeah. um, so that, that should keep those fights interesting that'll be an interesting one to watch so then we've got the group in uh, Thailand Yep. so again out of that one uh, you know, Sweden as you mentioned they're in there uh, strong yeah. esports heritage I guess very very strong um, You've got China in there, of course. Again, going to be represented by, I, w- I would presume, some players <laughs> from Shanghai Dragons, which, although... Is that a good idea? I mean, I don't yeah. want to kick them when they're down. You know what? It's the craziest thing, because we've said it before, but they're great players. Phenomenal. And yet didn't manage any wins, which is shocking. Exactly. So I wonder whether some changes will be made to China, because obviously there's a lot of players yeah. within China, I'm sure. Yeah. So I might see some serious differences there, some changes yeah. around. Uh, you know, Spain, you've got players like Neptuno. Yep. You know, deadliest mercy in the league. Yep. Um, 
playing through uh, tonsillitis and kidney stones like a hero. <laughs> um, but again, that could be an interesting one. You know, Australia, for instance, like I, you know, I don't think of a lot of Australian players or a lot of um, a lot of Thai players either. Actually, no, I, th- I think the real fight there in this group is Sweden versus Denmark, purely yeah. because of proximity. They are next to each other in parts. They're a twenty-minute ferry ride. Wow! Um, okay. I know from experience. Uh, they're about a twenty-minute ferry ride away from each other, um, which is international waters. Interestingly, so duty-free on that ferry is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, a lot of locals ride it backwards and forwards. Um, but that—that's going to be the big fight, and that's maybe unfair because it really is just proximity that's making me say that. Yeah. But I feel like that is going to be interesting to watch. Like People a good, a good, lo- almost like a local competition, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, you think of in the league, we saw the fight for LA. We saw the Valiant versus the Gladiators. This is kind of an international version of that. Essentially, they are yeah. so close to each other. And then we've got the group uh, that'll be probably quite interesting to us, based in France, because of course yes. Team GB's in there. Absolutely. Who again uh, did quite well last year, as yeah. I recall. And that's going to be something that I think that you know teams like this is where we're going to see. Again, I remember a lot of players who we're not familiar with, you know, yeah. uh, teams like Poland and, and Italy, mm. teams that I'm not familiar with a lot of players from those teams from the league. Um, you know, GB, you've got Boombox, uh, yeah. uh, France, you've got uh, Poco and others. Yeah. So you've got, again, some familiar faces within that. But again, going to be some interesting battles that we're not, perhaps we're expecting as much, I guess. Definitely. You know, I, I think there's going to be, maybe selfishly for a minute, particularly as a, as, as a British person, there's going to be a lot of interest for me around the, around the GB team. Like I say, as I recall, they did well last year. But when we look on that London team, on that London Spitfire team, they a lot of them come from existing Korean teams who now play in London, who now play for London. That's right. And that's fantastic. But it will be interesting to see you know, the, the real element of any World Cup in sports or any World Cup kind of level of competition of seeing kind of homegrown talent, people who, 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 are, who are born here. Uh, and have lived their whole lives here um, it's amazing to see players from other countries want to move to your country and want to play for a team that's based in your country that's a fantastic thing to see that you can attract that kind of talent as London Spitfire attracted those amazing players but there is something nice as well to be said for a World Cup competition in which the people on the stage maybe share more experiences with you than uh, other players in existing teams so it'll be really really interesting to see that with the World Cup and with the Team GB maybe seeing some homegrown talent rising up to the level that a team like London might be interested in, in recruiting them there. It'll be quite interesting as well. Like when you look at the parallels, again, with um, traditional sports compared to eSports, there's something where you see it a lot. And obviously I'm saying this because we are in a, a football World Cup year as yeah. well. Luckily that's now in the past uh, for all those non-fans. <laughs> yeah. So, But seeing that kind of difference, I think when we think about uh, the English Premier League, for instance, football, yeah. you get a lot of players of top-quality talent from all over the world Absolutely. playing for teams. Um, and the, I, just the idea that you've got players from all over the world playing in your local team, yeah, which can be a little bit different. But then you get to the national games, and you see those people playing with their own national teams, and that sense yeah. of pride you get for playing for your national team, it's going to be quite nice. Again, I, I wasn't... I wasn't an Overwatch player this time last year, so mm. I didn't know about the World Cup really. And the idea that I can go into it now and watch that and look at national teams compared to the league teams Definitely. and see what kind of difference we see. You know, things like first languages and the differences that make and yep. different strategies based on different countries and who likes to play certain ways. And, yep. and to have that sense of pride where, you know, I perhaps... I, I, at the beginning of the league season, I didn't choose London Spitfire as my team, no. although they're our local team technically, yeah. because it was a solid Korean team. And, yeah. I, and I liked the idea of a team with a bit more diversity in it. 
But now I can look at, at Team Great Britain and think, okay, that is my local team in, yeah. in, in um, World Cup sense. So I can support that team because that's my nation's team. Exactly. And to see how different that will play out. And I think that will be, for me personally, such a weird experience. The idea of finally having a national team to root for yeah. because it's a game, because it's an eSport. Yeah. As opposed to a traditional one that people have been cheering for 50 years. Exactly. This is one you could have been cheering for for two or three years. Exactly, if yeah. not. You know, I've, I've always felt maybe um, uh, more isolated uh, from, from traditional sports, and that way football's never really been my jam. So it didn't matter when the World Cup came around every four years or so, because I, I wasn't interested in football. You know, I always made a, or tried to make an effort when I was younger to, to be interested or to at least pretend to be interested but it, it just never really did anything for me I couldn't muster any enthusiasm for it but again yeah this is a, a really a first time of having a national team like that in a sport that I am passionate about and I do care about and I am interested in and that's a that's a really really nice feeling that's really really uh, well enjoyable which may sound obvious to yeah. other people but for somebody that's not had that before it really is genuinely enjoyable to think yeah I'm, I'm going to have a team that I can root for and, and I'm going to enjoy us discussing it as it happens yeah. So yeah, that's something to look out for. So the games start on the 16th of August when the group stage starts. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty more in the weeks to come. Hopefully. Uh, so, Hopefully yeah. we'll be in it long enough to talk about well, it yeah. so long. Well, well, I mean, we can always default and say that our second team is Korea because then we can guarantee we're going to be there for quite that's some true. time. That's true. I mean, my, my allegiance is also to the U.S. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the U.K. and the U.S. in, yeah. a, in a double sweep. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at the rosters before I make any choices. Yeah, it's good. I mean, <laughs> they are the shock, so I, yeah. kind of, I have to. I might just support Fraggy. Main yep. tank. Um, just Fraggy. Just Fraggy. One, Finland, Finland one can man, do what they want. One man team. Yeah, Fraggy with his shield wall. Um, <laughs> that's the way to go. So, moving on then from the, the, the world stage back into the league. I know we talked about the league at great length in our last episode because of the yeah. final and how that wrapped up. But now... Um, if you cast your mind back two or three episodes, we spoke about the expansion teams mm. and how it was, that was going to happen and what the plans were going to be for that weren't yet known. But now we now know our first two expansion teams. Yep. And they're perhaps places that weren't in our shortlist. Uh, I don't think they were all, definitely on our shortlist no, anyway. No. Um, and that is a, a second Chinese team in yep. Guangzhou. Apologies for pronunciation. I don't speak any <laughs> yeah, Chinese. We're probably going to um, murder that. Yeah. But, and know. also Atlanta. Yeah. Which is not a U.S. city I would have necessarily considered at all. No, you know, I don't, I don't think, to my knowledge, I've never put the two words kind of Atlanta and esports together. Um, I might be completely wrong there, but it's it's not something that was in my head. I think we rather not dismissively—that's the wrong word—but kind of just thought, oh, and we assume that there will be other U.S. cities. We didn't really speculate too much on what other U.S. cities there would be. Um, I think we can just name some now: <laughs> Washington, yeah. Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Other, Detroit, why not? Um, no, I, we we could just name some cities, but I think Atlanta, yeah, that's one that I've not thought of, and that lends itself to some interesting opportunities. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what kind of the the name of it will be now, and trying to kind of rack my brain for Atlanta landmarks or, or what might be of interest there. Their airport. It's the busiest, it's busiest airport in the, I want to say Western Hemisphere. But that could be too much, but it's one of the busiest airports in the world. The Atlanta High Flyers, maybe, maybe just represented by Farah. Six fires, no yeah. other characters. Or Tracer. There you go. Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that it's interesting because I always think like the teams, the cities that they've chosen are often ones with quite a traditional sporting pedigree. Yes. You know, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. That's why I kind of thought there'd be a Chicago team. Sure. Because Chicago is big for basketball, big for baseball, big for American football, uh, big for hockey. 
I would have thought that that would have been kind of the way it would go, but well, maybe we will see I mean, that may, eventually. May, may, maybe now that the Cubs won the World Series, they just went, nope, that's it, done. We're yeah, never we achieving have, more than we have this. Got all the sports we need, thank you. <laughs> Chicago has shut up shop as far as sports <laughs> is concerned. We will never top this glorious achievement. Close it all down, guys, and send it home. Now, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's. It's not one that you normally associate with it. I mean, I think I think the thing that's most interesting to me was there was a story floating around about these expansion teams that Blizzard had raised the buy-in. So the buy-in for the initial teams was twenty million, twenty Which million is not US a small dollars. Of money. That is that is not chump change. That is that is some serious money that you're laying down there to get a franchise. Obviously, compared to existing kind of NFL and baseball franchises, that's nothing. Yeah, but to pretty much everybody, I would I would expect that twenty million is quite a lot. If you were listening to this podcast and you have twenty million to spare, we we could we've got some ideas. Yeah, reach out to us. The heroes definitely reach Twitter. out to us. But I think to, to pretty much all of us here, um, twenty million is is not nothing. That said, it now is interesting that they seem to have raised that to thirty million is the figure that I'd heard, mm. and it kind of seems to be Blizzard, yeah, raising the stakes slightly. Going, this was the first season. You we we had a rate of twenty because you were helping us to get it started. Yeah, kind of almost like a kickstart. You're getting that early bird special. Yes, right. And then kind of going, no, we know this works. You know this works. You're going to make money off this, so we're going to raise that. And it's nice to see that because while this doesn't necessarily affect us and it doesn't affect the game and it doesn't affect the league day to day, it affects the league in terms of again, as we talked about in the last episode, it being legitimized, it being something that people want to be invested in. As that price starts to ramp, I mean, from a business and a financial side, I'll be interested to see what it is the next time we see expansion teams in season three or thereafter. Yeah. As that scales, where does it start to settle around? And how long does it kind of keep scaling into how much? Is the next one going to be 50 million? Maybe it doesn't ramp up 10 each time, maybe it goes up more. What's the kind of point at which we, or Blizzard thinks, is a fair price for an Overwatch franchise. Because clearly, that 10 million must be coming from revenue data that they have. They've oh, yeah. not just picked this figure randomly. And I think as well, I think you're right. It is more a case of those first, uh, that first set of teams had a set figure because we'll see whether this works the way we hope it yep. will. And now they've got to the end of the season, they know it works. They know yeah. they've got the big-time sponsorship. They know they've had the incredible uh, finals in a huge arena. Yeah. They know that that's the thing. So they can afford to say, okay, well, we need a bit more from you up front if you want to get in on this, Definitely. which is going to be something that's established for a good long while. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's probably the right thing to do to make sure that people who are getting involved are, are getting involved knowing that it's, it's not a cheap thing to do. No. And it's going to be something that is hopefully sustainable for a good long time and this kind of this kind of funding will hopefully get it to well will keep it sustainable yeah. and will fund whatever it is they need to to make this a further success you know I, I think I think when we look at the the reasons for charging that kind of buy-in the biggest one obviously in terms of a business sense is you charge a buy-in like that because you know it's going to make these people money it's That's an true. obvious yeah. statement but you're charging thing, them isn't it? You're, yeah. you're, you're charging 20 or 30 million because they're buying a business from you admittedly not a business that's existed for a long time or anything like that, but they're buying a franchise. You're offering them a business. It's like if you were to buy a restaurant from McDonald's or something. You're buying a business pre-made from them to a certain extent, and then you get to decide all the branding and everything else and yada, 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 the teams and whatnot. There's a lot of work for you to do, but you're buying a business that's going to make you money. And Blizzard is almost not promising, not guaranteeing, but uh, kind of... uh, making the suggestion that this is going to be worth quite a lot of money to yeah, you. It should be a fairly safe bet at this point, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it, we, we know that that's going to make them a lot of money. Blizzard's saying this is going to make you a lot of money. Um, and I think one of the things that I'd heard initially when teams were first being purchased was people not, you know, uh, criticizing, but maybe just lamenting the fact that in 
older esports attempts when people had tried to make it more of a sport it was more grassroots it was people just setting up land parties and maybe getting a local business to sponsor it and this kind of stuff but that's not really scalable you know there were concerns that maybe traditional sports owners would buy these franchises and run it more like a traditional sports franchise and not necessarily like a gaming community yeah the only difficulty with that is is that's what you need to have a sport yeah exactly fans are where you get the spirit the fans are where you get the love of the game the franchise needs to run like a business it needs to run like a business to keep the sport going to make it it profitable it needs to be a profitable business that will last or else it can't sustain itself exactly it's all well and good wanting local esports teams to own the teams and maybe you know we've seen sports teams in the world do this in the past where fans do have ownership almost like shareholders maybe we'll see that eventually with these franchises but you need people to stay in the game you need them to have a sunk cost that, that makes them stay and feel the team every year if the buy-in was 10 grand and some local esports team bought in for 10 grand and then in a year's time or two years time went eh we don't want to do this anymore they could sack that in yeah. and it wouldn't be that much of a loss for an organisation if you've paid 20 million to buy that franchise you're gonna stay in and make sure that you can feel the team for yeah. a long time it guarantees a commitment that I don't think we would have seen without such a big cost up front. Yeah. Well, it's also it's it's dangerous for the league. Yeah. If teams can just drop out. Exactly. Because they have built the league structure in such a way where you need a certain number of teams over yeah. a certain amount of time, and if suddenly a team's just not there anymore, yeah. that just throws the rest of it into jeopardy. And yeah. you've already got these teams that are now established and have bought in the way that they have, and you can't then risk their investments because they've they've got involved you know, just as much as everyone else has definitely so yeah it's, it's nice that I think it's the right thing I think you mentioned that about um, sort of uh, fan ownership it's interesting because my my favorite traditional sports team mm. is the Green Bay Packers American football team yeah and they are the only NFL team that is owned by the fans yeah so they're owned by shares they have a manager and they have those kind of things but they don't have an owner they have sure. thousands of owners and but they're the only team that's done that but they can do that because they've got a tradition that spans over 100 years yeah so it's the kind of thing where that's been there for a long time, it's well established, and there's a, a board of directors that runs it on behalf of the shareholders. Sure. But that's a business. That, that's exactly. the definition of a business. Definitely you know, is. Major companies have a board of directors, they have shareholders, and yep. that's who they answer to in the, in the long term. You know? So that's, that's what they're doing with this. And I think it's definitely the right thing. And it's, it's interesting to think of places like Guangzhou and Atlanta. Yep. They're not places that you would traditionally think of, but actually maybe they're the ones who are just ready to make their mark in it and you know as as we were talking about just before with the world cup the players that play for these teams don't need to be from these locations they can come from all over the world yeah so this is an opportunity on the flip side you know we we've been thinking very much in the way of where has a traditional esports presence where are the esports hubs but in a way to make esports more of a thing in the world you don't want to just pick the hubs you don't want to pick the places it's already embedded because why would you? You want to grow this into yeah. more of a market. So what you almost need to do is to give people a local team who are underserved. Maybe Atlanta and Show have zero esports presence currently, but Blizzard knows or their owners knows or whoever that if you can lock up that city, if you can put a franchise there, that as people start to discover esports over the next five to ten years, will inevitably become their local team then you've, you've just won fans for life, potentially, by doing yeah. that. You've given people their first avenue. So maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's not Atlanta and Guangzhou are places that have traditional esports presences. Maybe it's that they have zero presence, and this is going to be their presence. This is their way to build it. Absolutely. Yeah. Build it, and oh. they shall come. Well, yeah, you, you look at, like, uh, we've mentioned before, the um, 
the Five Deadly Venoms, the, the yeah. New York Excel fan group. That's huge, and there they are. Definitely. They are so dedicated. And New York is a city with huge sports pedigree. Absolutely, you know, for every major sport, there's at yep. least one or two, or even more, huge teams. Yeah. So you imagine you put something like that in there, and you've got you've got a buy-in from a group of fans who already have lots of sports to choose from. Yeah. But New York fans traditionally, when they go in for their team, they go all in. They go hard. You know, the the, the tag freight the. Um, the tagline for the Brooklyn Nets is, we go hard. Yep. That's their phrase, and I love them for it. So you know <laughs> that when they have a team, their fans really get behind them. But you're right. If you're in a place which is particularly underserved for, for eSports specifically, yep. but maybe sports in general, then it's something that someone can attach and latch exactly. on to and, and have, build that kind of lifelong following, I guess. Definitely. And, you know, we, we, we don't see in traditional sports many new teams. It's one, of, it's one of the things. You've got your teams. This is who you can decide between. They're all, uh, you know, existing people. Um, you don't really have much of a choice. They exist there. Their owners exist there. It's not a cabal. That's the wrong word. But it's a group of rich people that own it and control it and have it all rigged up. Yeah. You don't see many new teams coming in. But if in these kind of sports, because they are so new, there are new teams coming in every year, that's the best chance to expand to territories that are underserved. Yeah. New stuff's going to be happening all the time. You know, no one's going to start a new NFL team. I'm sure, like, tomorrow now I've said that, somebody will start a new <laughs> NFL team. But most likely, no one's going to start a new NFL team or a new basketball team or a new baseball team anytime soon or a new football club in the UK. But this is a chance to do that. It's a level playing field. It's really exciting. I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah, it's going to be huge. And I just hope they get around to announcing more teams. Because I imagine they've gone from 12 teams to 14 yep. teams. You're going to need at least a couple more yep. to keep that group structure uh, I would have thought so. I would to. imagine that we'd see maybe another three or four teams, yeah. uh, maybe getting as high as a total of six new teams, potentially. Yeah. Um, it's kind of amazing as well, the parallel between new teams each year and Blizzard's strategy for advancing Overwatch with new heroes uh, yeah. every year in that way. It feels very similar. It feels very familiar. Um, and what a great way to almost add, <laughs> kind of like DLC, to add this kind of additional content yeah. into the league with new teams. I know for certain that, you know, I, I've said this before, but I like Shock. I like San Francisco Shock. And I like the Philly Fusion because of our conversations about them. Mm -hmm. But my, in addition to those two, I'll, I'll definitely be looking at the new teams and oh, picking yeah. a new team to follow as well as those two. Uh, and I think if they do that each year, having people end up with four or five teams, you know, a handful yeah. of teams to pick from, not just one favorite, that could be quite a new dynamic in sports. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice because the game will, will keep evolving in terms of the teams and cities and areas that are served. Yep. In the same way, like you said, that they're going to introduce new heroes. You figure next season, we're going to have Wrecking Ball in there. Yeah. Plus there any other changes that may have happened to make this game fresh and new, not just in the cities that it's brand new to, yeah. but in the rest of the league as well. Of course, absolutely. And then speaking of new content, well, new content and I guess also old content, we're going to see the return, or in fact, we have just seen the return of the Summer Games yes. season. So that means content that we may have seen previously yep. returning to your loot boxes and also some really cool new content in terms of the customization of your heroes. Yeah. And I think that you, uh, you mentioned there were a couple of really cool-looking skins that you've seen already. Yeah, a couple of cool skins that I've seen. That you, you've got the, uh, the Wave Racer Diva skin, which is, you know, Summer Games. Summer Games is always a time for these kind of uh, 
well, summer sports-based things. So we've seen kind of water sports-based ones before. Um, we've seen, obviously, Lucio Ball last year in terms of it playing football and those kind of more athletic skins, should we say. The Wave Racer Diva is a really nice one with tons of details on it. Uh, the Diva kind of mech has kind of almost like a spoiler or like handles like you have on some kind of jet ski. Um, and then Diva herself, Hannah Song, is wearing the kind of almost like a life preserver vest, like a flotation device kind of vest. Um, and then with this kind of like flowery print, um, on one of the items clothing as well and it, it seems very very summery obviously it seem, it fits perfectly with what they're describing um, and it's just a cool very different skin that I wouldn't I wouldn't have seen coming I wouldn't have predicted that what was really cool was um, at uh, MCM Comic Con Manchester uh, a couple of weeks ago mm. there were we mentioned in the last episode about the number of cosplayers that were there but one of the most popular uh cosplays there was was Soldier 76's Grillmaster yeah. skin yeah. and I think it's really I think again for, for me who I wasn't playing Overwatch during the last Summer Games event so I don't have any of that content for my yeah. heroes you know I not only did I see the Grillmaster in a couple different places which was great and we spoke to um, uh, I spoke to Liam in the last episode one, yeah. of, one of the guys who spoke about the con he was dressed as the Grillmaster it was Perfect. very cool you know I saw I saw Summer Games May I saw two Summer Games May in Brilliant. fact which yep. is great complete with the slippers and everything oh yeah somebody had um, that fantastic Summer Games like jumper almost as May yeah it was, it was awesome uh, and I saw a uh, Summer Games Junkrat complete with uh, swimming shorts and, and uh, Riptire <laughs> as well like fantastic. really went to detail with it but I think that's the kind of thing that as a player who always wants that new content yep. because it, it keeps the game fresh I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on these skins that others have had for ages but I've not had a chance to get but now yeah. I'm going to get that chance again Definitely. and that's really really cool Yeah, we've talked about this in a couple of episodes now but I think skins are, skins are one of the great advantages that Overwatch has um, and building up a library of them so quickly there are so many events throughout the year you know they, they go by so fast that you don't really think of them that much when we're in kind of regular play in Overwatch but there are so many different events four, five, six a year nearly yeah. um, you get a library of content quite quickly in only a couple of years there's a lot of skins that are out there now yeah. um, and they continue to add to them so for yeah for returning players people who've been away from the game for a while people who are new to it people that missed earlier events the chance to then get some of those skins to not be locked out of them but to encourage that engagement of you can get these by playing this event that's that's fantastic it's a way to keep that community growing yeah and there's a, a team of, of designers and, and developers at Blizzard who must be kept busy all year round <laughs> yeah. and their whole job is make cool new skins and yeah. sprays and things for this game and keep this game engaging and exciting exactly and that idea that I can now going in to play that game now compared to playing it six weeks ago yeah. means that I can score new content that I otherwise would never see yep. because I, I'm not playing it at that time. And it means that you know if they roll around and they have a, a Halloween event at the end of the year like they had last year and they have a, a holiday event at the end of the year yep. as well, there's more content that I can get as, in, as the year goes exactly. on to keep players playing Definitely. to keep gathering that content that again has no difference you know makes the game no different to play just makes it look cool and makes it fun yeah. to collect and fun to get you know they really brought out wrecking ball and i've already gone through those skins that they've got and i found the one that i really want um and it's actually really one of the cheapest skins as well it's, <laughs> it's the smoke skin because yeah. it looks really really cool and it's like that's just that doesn't change the game no. it doesn't matter what color my mech is it doesn't matter yeah. what color 76's jacket is like that's just my choice. I just want it to look like that. So I've got a couple of thoughts about skins. One, I've just realized now that we've been talking, is Bastion has a wooden skin. Oh, yeah. Wrecking Ball has a wooden skin. Diva doesn't have a wooden skin. 
That would be quite cool. I'd kind of like that. That'd look cool. Yeah. The second one is, I'm just going to, I think somebody else said it already, so I, I can't lay claim to this because I've definitely heard this somewhere. If not this summer games, the next summer games, Wrecking Ball Beach Ball Skin. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. That would be amazing. Just yeah. a giant beach ball comes flying in <laughs> through the map <laughs> every chain, summer. Smashing into you, throwing mines. <laughs> be fantastic. Yeah. And that is, that's the kind of, the. I do wonder what kind of freedom the designers have to come up with these skins. and mm. they, they just go into a room and go, I want to make a giant beach ball, or <laughs> I want to give this guy a surfboard, or like, do they have, is it already planned out, I wonder, for a period of time? I thought that it's planned out. I mean, you know, I, I, can't, sp- well, I can't speak too much to, to how things work in Blizzard, but my guess would be, because they're clearly a very talented team, yeah. is that they have stages where they are free to explore ideas, but we, they probably have some endless meetings about where they want to go and they probably just narrow those ideas down but I imagine that the designers of these skins the designers of these characters probably have hundreds of different ideas that they're calling from and different variations on ideas that they've been trying that then are planned out rather than maybe it all being planned out from the beginning I I don't think Jeff's just sat there with with every different skin in his head I think it's very very much a designers go hey this looks cool let's do this skin next and then they, they discuss it in that way I also think I want to call out the idea that I, I absolutely love the fact that you can get everything in a loot box, but you also get the in-game currency yes. in the loot boxes. Yeah. So the idea that if you don't want to wait to eventually find a particular skin, you can just buy that skin. Yeah. But you're buying it with a currency that you've earned yep. from loot boxes. And I, I, I love that because yeah, precisely. I don't know, there's a couple of occasions where I've seen a skin that I like and I've gone, oh, I can wait and get that or I can just drop some credits on that, which I've yeah. got stockpiled anyway. But I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously stingy at that. I, I, I don't want to spend... Like, there's a, a couple of skins that cost, like, a thousand credits, and I'm like, yep. mm, I've got the credits. I could get it. Ooh, but it could be in my next loot box. It exactly. never is. It never exactly. is. But it could be. <laughs> and I just love the idea that if you want to sort of fast-track certain things... Like, there was a, uh, the, the skin I'm using currently on, on Winston, which is Horizon skin. Yeah. So wearing all of his, his Horizon Lunar Colony gear. And I was very, very close just to dropping the credits and buying that skin <laughs> and in the last loot box I opened that was in there oh, congratulations it was man so nice. cool just to have that one that I was like oh and then getting it in a box and like that just that makes those loot boxes so exciting anyway. oh definitely every single time every single time you see those little discs fire up into the air just like yeah. oh what's it gonna be what's it gonna be yeah no absolutely yeah so summer games it's gonna give us lots of cool new stuff yeah. which I'm looking forward to so moving on to our last little topic today, we yep. want to cover uh, one of those in-game terms that you hear so often thrown around, and that's the term stagger. Yeah. Now we know might know what that word means in general, but let's go a bit into what that actually means in the game. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a term that you're going to hear a lot. I would probably say in most, I think in most league games, somebody said the word stagger at least once, uh, often a couple of times. Um, it's something that the analysts throw around a lot and as Dave says you know it's, it's something you might know from real life but it's not something you might know in Overwatch so the idea with this it, it's all related to the respawn times it's all related to how a fight's going and to respawn and fundamentally before we go into kind of how people use it as a strategy if we just look at a team fight two teams fighting one of them starts to win if the team that starts to win killed all of the enemy team got a team kill very 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 quickly the respawn time is 10 seconds for each player. That means that if they killed everybody immediately at the same time, simultaneously, somehow, you would have 10 seconds before that enemy team is fully respawned and ready to get back into the fight. More likely, though, that happens very, very rarely. So more likely, what tends to happen is that, you know, two heroes go down, then one hero, then a third hero, then the final hero. And in that instance, if that's going to happen, 
what's going to end up happening here is that the respawn times are going to be shifted. The first two that went down, they're going to have a respawn time of 10 seconds. Then there's going to be a few seconds gap. Then the 10 seconds, the next ones. Then the few seconds gap and the 10 seconds, the last one. And you'd say that they're staggered. The respawns are spread apart. And every gap between people dying and respawning and having your team fully respawned, ready to go again, that can often be wasted time. Now, if you're a good player, if there's, there's good players like there are in the league, they often use that wasted time to their advantage. Tracer might go and scout a bit. She might go and, you know, tease some of the back line. She might do things that don't really require uh, the rest of a team to assist as much. But for a lot of teams, if you really need to make a push onto a point to really get in there and fight and clear the enemy out, that's entirely wasted time. As such, if you as a team that's winning a fight can make this stagger worse, you can make it take longer for their team to respawn fully, we'll give an example of this in a sec, that's going to be a huge advantage. Because ultimately, the goal of Overwatch isn't necessarily to kill the enemy players. The goal of Overwatch is to run the clock down. If it's a capture point, you know, you need to, to hold on to the objective and run it down. If it's a payload, you need to run it down and stop them moving the payload forward. But the goal, particularly on, well, as a defender, is always to run the clock down. Killing the enemy team is just part of doing that. So let's take a look at D.Va as an example, one of my favorite heroes. If D.Va gets demacked, she's out of the mech, she's a bit weaker, she's a squishy target, but she has a chance to get back into a mech. She's also quite easy to kill. So what you can do there a lot of the time as a, as a, as a, as a defender or somebody who's trying to stagger the enemy team is once you've demacked D.Va, don't immediately kill squishy baby D.Va. Wait a few seconds or wait a while and then kill her. What you've just done there is you've staggered the team. You've wasted more of their time. You've made, made sure that their respawns aren't out of alignment. And you'll often see these pro teams waiting in their spawn for the extra few seconds just to realign their team. Yeah. But as a defender, you've got a massive advantage because you've wasted their time. And wasting someone's time is one of the, the best things you can do to get an advantage in Overwatch. Yeah. And that's the thing, a competitive game is about team structure and, yeah. and team composition. And if you're waiting for uh, a tank hero before you make your next push, yep. the idea of drawing that out for another five or ten seconds, yep. that can have quite a significant impact. Because if it is a hero like a D.Va, or if it's one of your healers, especially if it's a Mercy, for instance, Absolutely. I've seen it on, on games before where the whole team will go down, then you've got a Mercy versus an entire enemy team, and they'll just take their time yep. because they know full well the other team is not going to want to attack without their main healer. Yeah. And you just see the, the difference in the sort of momentum shift that that can have. And where you often see heroes intentionally jumping off of cliffs. Yeah. And I've always, sort of environmental kills are one of, those always, one of the things where I always think about professional players and how they're not going to do that by accident. No. Like the, the professional players, they know the game well enough that they know where the cliffs are and they know where the, 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 the giant wells are and they Definitely. know those kind of things. How much ledge they've got. Exactly. So if they're going to throw themselves off an edge, that's because they want to get back to the respawn and they want to regroup with their team. Yeah. And if you are, for instance, if you demecadeva and then you hang on and you don't attack with it. And that diva's trying to make their way towards the cliff. I, I, I've seen uh, Roadhogs hook a DMAC diva away from a cliff to bring yep. it back to them, but then not finish the job exactly. for that very reason. And it is, it, it's quite a significant, like, it takes a bit of, most gamers are going to want in there and they're going to want to kill the enemy. That's yeah. what you do. And, and you've quite rightly pointed out to me before that there's a game mode for that, Team Deathmatch. Yeah. If you want to just get eliminations, that's the game mode you want to play. But if you want to win a game of Overwatch, you've got to show that kind of restraint and control yep. to not always pull the trigger on that final blow like you think you need. Definitely. 
because actually that's just going to slow the enemy down. It's going to give you the momentum that you need to carry on and win that match. Definitely. And, you know, it, it, is, it is very, very much a strategy and a skill and something that takes knowledge and mastery of the game. What I would never say to people is, oh, yeah, just try not killing the enemy team in a game. We'll yeah, watch that. Yeah. That won't end so well for you. But it comes down to being able to read a situation and to know the ins and outs of the game. One of my favorite things to do as a D.Va player, if I do get demacked, is to know that this enemy team is going to undervalue what I can do as Baby Diva. Yeah. That bunny blaster that she has at range can be quite effective. It's, yeah, significant damage for what yeah. is a really simple weapon. And I've had what, what some people who maybe don't play Diva as much would think is a surprising number of kills just with the pistol, with yeah. the bunny blaster, as Baby Diva. Uh, had a number of kind of duels with, say, a McCree or someone like that, where you can jump out of their way that bit quicker than they can throw that stun grenade, yeah. pile on the damage, and now you've got an elimination, you're taking them down. So it can work against you if you can't read the situation well. If you're not doing this effectively, you will just get killed by that enemy that you're leaving laying around. Yeah. You know, the most dangerous enemy is a cornered enemy. Don't don't yeah, don't yeah. put them in that position where Especially they, they're going to try stuff. One who's trying to get killed exactly. to respawn with their they team. They have nothing left so, to lose, not literally. Throw at you. Yeah. The only thing that you're afraid of in a video game in that way is your character dying, and you've just removed that as a threat. That's what they want. Yeah. So don't be surprised when players try creative stuff and lash out a bit. But if you are effective, if you are, you know, on the on the level and at the caliber of these people in the league, this can be an extraordinarily effective strategy. But like any strategy in a game, it's risky. Yeah, exactly. So when you hear the analyst talking about stagger, or if you're feeling a bit carried away in a game and you want to kind of take a step back and pause, yep. just remember, stagger the enemy respawn. That's the <laughs> thing. Cool, and that about brings us to the end of this episode. So thanks again for listening. Uh, again, if you have anything you want us to bring up in a future episode or if you want to reach out to us about anything we've covered in this episode, grab us on Twitter. We're Heroes Needed Pod. Uh, you can find me online at Olsen Prime as well if you want to get out to me as well. Um, but otherwise, reach out, say hi, subscribe to this podcast, let us know what you think. And then I've been Dave. And I'm Richard. And we will see you all again next time.